Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies. I am your host, Nick Jenkins, and today I'm joined by three friends, Tobin Addington. Hello. Hello. Nicole Sweeney. Hello. I remembered your name. Yep. Just that's barely. My name. <laughs> that's okay. You guys are new coworkers. It's fine. I know. I've only I've only known you a few years. <laughs> I just looked at you and my brain went blank. Who is that person? <laughs> wow. I, I only see that face every, every day. day. To be fair, mostly it's over Slack. That's true. We do have different That's offices. True. That's so. true. I'm a cartoon character. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of emojis <laughs> happening. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, Matthew Gatos. Hello, Matt. Hello. All right. And today we are here to talk about a bad movie that I did not have any idea how bad good it was going to be until <laughs> we rewatched it. I was told this it. was the good one. It is. The, uh, oh. it, well, maybe it is the good one. I don't know. Of, of the series or of movies? <laughs> this is the only good movie. No. There can only be one. Yeah, there can only be one. We, of course, are talking about uh, Highlander. Now, this is a film that was, tragically, very formative for me. I saw it when I was a very young kid, and I loved it when I was a, when I was a young kid. And then, you know, I watched all of the sequels, which is the reason that we're talking about this movie is because I want to talk about the sequels because the sequels are so legendarily bad. But as I was telling Matt earlier today, all of the sequels except for one got theatrical releases. That astounded me. Yeah. (laughs) Like when I, one, I didn't know very much about Highlander going into this watching. Like I knew there can only be one and I knew Sean Connery was in it. And that's it. Right, right. A new rating uh, was in it. I didn't know that even. <laughs> um, so going into it, I didn't realize there was even sequels until Nick said the, that to me once. So I was like, oh, didn't know those existed. And I just assumed those were straight to VHS releases that came out immediately afterwards to try and make money. I did not realize that one, there was four of them. Two, that they were theatrical releases. And three, that they kept making them into like the mid 2000s. Yeah. It's a franchise. This is a franchise. Like literally I was like from when I was born until I was like graduating high school, these movies were coming out throughout my entire life. And I never knew or saw any of them. This is the weird thing, knowing you and knowing you in high school. Yeah, I would have you been into the, I would have watched it. I mean, after watching it now, I maybe wouldn't have been into it. I don't know. Most of the people I knew who were into it were also very into Hot Topic. I did work there. So, <laughs> and it's where you got some of your pants. It's many of my giant jinkos. Yeah. Yes. Too many zippers. Too many zippers. Well, that's not, I mean, to, that's... to be debated. Maybe the proper amount of zippers. <laughs> that's your memoir. Too many zippers? Question mark. Gatos. Too many zippers? Or just the right amount. <laughs> so, um, we're going to get into our feelings on this. But before we do, I, I want to do a quick rundown of everything that this movie spawned. Mm. Okay. Okay. Because I think Matt and I actually sort of, Matt, you talked today about like, how did this get so many seek? How did, there were so many other 80s movies and everything. Specifically theatrical release sequels, because I feel like there's a lot of bad movies in the 80s and 90s that have that weird sequel that no one's ever heard Mm -hmm. of. Like there's an American Psycho 2 starring Mila Kunis. And William Shatner. What? Like that exists in the world, but it wasn't theatrically released, so... I or put like, it into those categories. There's No Retreat, No Surrender 2, sequel to a terrible movie called No Retreat, No Surrender with saying, Jean-Claude Van Damme. I didn't know the first one existed. Yeah. <laughs> and the second one has nothing to do with the first one. But, okay, so That's there, my favorite kind of sequel. <laughs> yeah. Let's start with films. Okay. There okay. were four sequels. There is 
Well, so there's five movies. Highlander, Highlander 2, The Quickening, Highlander 3, The Sorcerer Overseas, but The Final Dimension here, which makes no sense. Oh, I thought that was the full name. <laughs> like, when you said Sorcerer, Sorcerer Overseas. Overseas, which is the full, I was like, oh, no, he stopped the title a little yeah. while ago. Comma. Yeah, Highlander 3, The Sorcerer Overseas. Which is what it was known as overseas. Gotcha. But here uh, it was what? The Final Dimension, which I think has something to do with it was released by Dimension Studios. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, it's bad. Oh, no. oh, bad. That's then that should idea. be the last movie, probably. Probably. <laughs> yep. But wait, it keeps going because then Highlander Four is called Endgame. Uh, also, <laughs> should be the end. The end is after the final, <laughs> yeah. but not before. <laughs> but Highlander Four. Well, we won't get into that just yet. Okay. So then Highlander Five is called The Source, and it was the only one that didn't get a theatrical release. Right. It went straight to Sci-Fi TV. Which, if that doesn't tell you something, <laughs> can I ask? I know we'll get to them eventually uh-huh. in later podcasts. Is that a prequel? Oh no. Then okay. why the hell is it called the source? Yep. I guess we'll find out later. Yeah. Well, it's mm. because the whole thing about the immortals is where did they come from? And it takes five movies to find out. Mm. Yes. Mm. It's midi-chlorians. Nope. <laughs> um, then there were not one, but two television right. series. Right. There's oh, really? Highlander, the series following the exploits of Duncan McLeod, Connor McLeod's cousin. And then there was <laughs> The Raven, which uh, starred... Uh, uh, Elizabeth, can't remember her last name. Oh, dear God. Elizabeth Grayson? She was introduced in Highlander, the series show. She got her spinoff. Mm. Uh, there was a spinoff. Yes. <laughs> of the TV show. That was a spinoff of the movie. Oh, wow. yeah. There were wow. three animated, different one animated series, two animated movies. Wow. Highlander, the animated series starring Quentin McCloud. Highlander The Adventure Begins, which is the movie of that. Uh Highlander The Search for Vengeance starring Connor McCloud, or Colin McCloud. I thought I was like, oh, finally, we're getting back to the original. No, 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 no. no, no. Uh, This guy's got so many cousins. Yeah, where the fuck were all all immortal? Where were his cousins? They could have teamed up. Yeah. Yeah. There were 12 novels. Oh, my God. That makes a little bit more sense to me (laughs) in like an expanded universe kind of way. Right, right, right. Uh, two collectible card games. It is my favorite card game. I will say that right now. Of all of the Magic the Gathering and everything that was coming out in the late 90s, right. that was my favorite one. I love that system. All of my other friends hated it, so mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm the one with well, the taste. Well, there can only be one. Yeah. <laughs> um, there can only be one with taste. <laughs> two released video games. One Drink unreleased. every time we say there can only be <laughs> yes. one. Yeah. And then You're welcome. Two different comic book series. So I want that to just wash over yeah, everyone. Wow. How oh, much God. media? There's a Highlander verse, essentially. Yes, there yeah. is. Yeah, there's That's like just as fascinating. There, yeah, <laughs> fascinating is the perfect word. It's fascinating. It's just fascinating. I want that to wash over everyone as we talk about our different feelings about this movie. Uh-huh. This thing spawned a fucking franchise yeah. mm-hmm. in a way that is really mind-boggling, especially when you go back and you, in my opinion, you watch that first film. For a number of reasons, some of which we'll talk about as quality. Others we'll just talk about in terms of story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you even there, this movie was built to be unsequelable? Like that. Yeah. Right. Right. That, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. We'll get into that. more. Yeah, we'll get into like, that. That's the whole concept of this movie. Right. Yep. Is right. So there can only be one <laughs> at the end of this movie. Right. Yep. And that's it. And yet. nah. So we have to do a 60 second plot dump. And uh, just because. I'm feeling somewhat sadistic today. That's going to be Nicole. Yeah, I knew that was coming. (laughs) (laughs) I had a feeling. Yeah. You said mean things about my movie. Yeah. (laughs) 
just so we're clear, those mean things were warranted. (laughs) (laughs) This is a plot that I feel could either take five minutes or five seconds. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to find out. Are you ready? Okay. In three, two, one. So the story is about Connor McLeod. Uh, We jump back and forth in time between like 15th, 16th century Scottish Highlands and present day of the film 1980s New York. Uh, At the beginning of the movie, young Scottish Highlands Connor McLeod is riding into battle with his brethren and he gets killed by a guy, I forget his name now, but... The Kurgan. Bad guy, yeah, the Kurgan. Uh, He he kills Connor McLeod, but then after dying, he wakes up and uh, his town freaks out because they think he's like possessed by Satan, so he's banished. But then he, uh, uh, Sean Connery finds him and is like, (laughs) hey, uh, you're actually a big deal and someday you're going to need to kill that guy who killed you because he's super evil. And then uh, in 1980s New York... That happens, and they have their big <laughs> showdown, and Connor McLeod wins, and sometimes women are there, but they're just props. The end. <laughs> yes, the women are the, the women are props. Yes. Um, there to be saved well, or be... Or be raped. Be raped, like... Yeah, at times, props is a generous term. Yeah. yeah. I, think. I think you're giving it some credit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, That's yeah. it. <laughs> this fun movie that shaped Nick's childhood. I know, right? Like, this yeah. is. And spawned dozens yeah. of things. <laughs> All <laughs> kinds of media it spawned. Um, so. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where to begin here because uh-huh. there's a lot to there's a lot to talk about. Um, I, I think. I'd like to know sort of where you all are at because Tobin, you've seen this before. I have, yeah. So you rewatched it. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, what are your feelings now? I mean, let's start with you. I did. Yeah. So I, I had a, I, I, it was not not quite as formative for me as it was for you. Although I saw it at a very young age, and it was, I, re, I remember it very. My memory was very fond of it. My dad mm-hmm. and I went to the first sequel in the theater. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> And maybe the second one, I can't remember. Mm. But I know we went to the quickening, uh, and both hated it. Um, <laughs> but but I but I had this sort of residual fondness for the, the, for this movie, not having seen it since probably the early '90s, is my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, I, I can see in the. I think that it's a great idea. The mm-hmm. central idea of the movie, I think, is great. And I think you can see it's out of that seed that you could spawn all this media. But the movie itself is not good. No, it does not. It does not. It does not. Not only does it not hold up. There's so many things about it that even at the time, I think, had I been a little older, I would have seen and thought, "Oh, that doesn't. That's not good." But, <laughs> you know, for, for for instance, if you're going to make a movie that involves a lot of the main protagonist and antagonist sword fighting, perhaps <laughs> you put some of your money budgetarily into sword fighting choreography mm-hmm. and or at least hiring like doubles and filming from yes. far away to mm-hmm. make yes. it look at all mm-hmm. yes which is what they did in later uh film Thank good God. job guys <laughs> well because they worked with bob anderson who is a legendary uh sword f- fencing instructor right. not fencing but sword play instructor the the issue here is that christopher lambert the lead actor is almost blind and he can't wear contacts so Anytime they were trying to film, it's like they they just could not do yeah. what they needed to yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, a bunch of us live tweeted our <laughs> viewing of this movie this past weekend, and my we partnered with Snark Squad, and of course Nicole Sweeney is here from Snark yes. Squad. Yes, and uh, and yes, one of my uh, things that I posted about was 
after one of the fights, I think it's one of the training montage fights, I was like, that's the most I don't want to fall off this rock sword fight I've ever <laughs> yeah. seen. Right, right, right. Because they're right. like fighting on top of a boulder, and it's very clear that if any of them move a foot in any direction, right. they're going to die and fall <laughs> off. So they're both very aware of like, okay, I'm not going to move that much, and you don't move that much either, because I don't want to fall. Your turn, my turn. Yeah, Your turn, exactly. My turn. Your turn. Don't, don't, don't you move. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah, and that's not the biggest problem with this movie, but any stretch. But just just uh, you know, in my memory, the sword play in this movie was because I, you know, like I said, I, Robin Hood was my favorite thing as a kid. So I would run around in the woods yeah. with my fake sword and like play Robin Hood all the time. And so I was, ex- you know, my memory was that there was a lot of great sword play in this movie, and there is not. <laughs> no. I say, if anything, it peaks at the beginning, as far as like. One-on-one little sort of battle goes yeah, like the, 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 parking, the garage parking garage fight of yeah kind of piqued my interest as far as like all oh, right what's it what is this movie right. like this random businessman with a giant sword gets his head cut off right. and makes a parking garage explode I'm in right what is this and yeah that's the yeah, only that's battle it. and even that has many problems yeah, well, yeah. because. Yeah. The businessman seems to backflip for ten minutes. It's amazing. His backflipping is terrible. It's amazing. Yeah. Which, yeah. No, 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 no. This is anyway. an interesting point I want to make. Yeah. That backflipping stuff, as well as a few other sequences in here, is only in the director's cut. So the, huh. the, if you saw the backflips, that's in the director's cut. <laughs> that's the pure vision. Of that's yeah. the pure vision yeah. of in my <laughs> original vision of this. There was many more backflips. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, like the only backflip that is seen in the original cut is just him backflipping off the hood of the car, oh, okay. grabbing hmm. his sword and running off. And not the subsequent 20 backflips that he does throughout the entire parking no, garage. No, but. Him as a character in the card game, those backflips were useful. Oh, all right. <laughs> so, and do you, do you know who that actor was? Do you have you looked have you looked this up? No. He's he played the sand person in the in A New Hope in Star Wars A New Hope. Like the, who, yeah, who mm-hmm, raises and knocks. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Oh my god. He's a stunt guy. So for say, all he's the Star Wars movies then. Yeah. Another yeah. movie with terrible so see, sword fighting. <laughs> yeah. This is a sign of like bad movies with good stunt people, like mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Ray Park. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, in like the Phantom Menace. Yeah, in Phantom Menace, like <laughs> or X Men. Yes, like great scenes right. in not so great movies. Right. Let that stunt guy do his stunt guy things, right. and don't maybe have Sean Connery and Clancy Brown have a sword fight because neither one of them really know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so those are your thoughts? Yeah, that's that's my initial thought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Nicole. This was your first time seeing this it film. It was. It was indeed. And um, is it your last? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I will never watch this again. Um. Well. Wh- <laughs> what do you think? Well, uh, I think I'll never watch it again. I think. Uh, you know what? I'll never watch Lawrence of uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia again. So. Are you comparing wow. those two films? Oh, I'm just saying Whoa. that isn't the, the oh, staple. Not, yeah. Gotcha. That does not indicate bad film. <laughs> yeah. You Let know. me have it. Just go ahead. It just. Uh, yeah, I, I I told I told Nick this that this was the first time that a movie for this podcast made me actually angry at mm. Nick. Yeah. Like I mm. I didn't just dislike the movie. I was a little mad at Nick personally as a human being. He sent me a concerned text. <laughs> <laughs> Nick sent me a text like, I don't know if this damaged my friendship with Nicole. And I was like, maybe. <laughs> I was not very comforting in that moment. So I was, I was looking for upset. comfort. I was a little upset as well. So 
<laughs> Didn't get it. There was no comfort to be had. <laughs> you came to the wrong guy. I was told this was the good one, you guys. I was told <laughs> this was the good one. Uh, Look, I think on, on certain metrics it still is the good one of these films. <laughs> <laughs> now I wonder, though, right? Now I wonder. Like, I, I don't, because not having seen, not being sure what I've seen of the other ones, mm-hmm. I, now I all my assumptions are out the window because I, this is not at all the movie I remembered, you know? Yeah. I Absolutely. mean, yeah, within the first, like, 10 minutes, we had uh, we had just, like, some casual homophobia as when Connor McCloud gets arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you call it? Casual? Yeah, not no. even casual. Like yeah, straight, pretty blatant. Yeah. Pretty blatant. Yeah. Uh, you had... Sean, I guess I don't know how, how however many minutes Sean Connery shows up playing a man who is supposed to be Egyptian, mm-hmm. like really flagrant <laughs> whitewashing. And then also Spanish. And then yeah, and right, then also right. Spanish. Like, right. what the fuck are you doing? I the only Scottish person in this <laughs> Scottish yeah. movie, Scotland-based movie, is supposed to be an Egyptian right. who then lived in Spain, who then found his way to Scotland, and apparently was just I'm going to adopt this accent immediately. Side note, and I want this to be very clear. Apparently, Sean Connery thought he had learned a Spanish accent for this movie. (laughs) He worked with a dialect coach. And it even said in there to develop the uh, Spanish Spanish uh, accent used in the film. And I was like, excuse me. Excuse me. There there was no Spanish accent used in this film. Yeah. Um, but yes. Yeah, Connor McLeod is also the worst. I just mm-hmm. have to say. Mm-hmm. I like, I just was like, at no point, there was no, I was never rooting for him, mm-hmm. ever, in the entirety of, like, maybe in the, that garage, the parking garage fight, if only because we knew nothing. Yeah, so before, before you, you get to know him. him. Yeah, I know yeah. nothing, <laughs> and I, but I do know you're the star of this movie, so. He's the star and he's being attacked. You're like, well, I hope he wins. He's being attacked by a man who's wearing a business suit and sunglasses in a parking garage, so like, that guy's <laughs> yeah. weird. So, yes. okay, I want you to lose. Well, also, the, the score is telling you to like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. point when he reaches yeah. for the sword and he grabs it and picks it up, the music goes, bum, 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 bum. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's our hero. Yeah. Okay. This is a good right, thing. I get it. <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> but uh, I think that there's uh, there's two elements to disliking this film. Uh-huh. There's um, it might have a third. I don't. But, but, um, there's sort of the value system that's yeah. embedded within it, mm-hmm. which is I'm gonna say pretty despicable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is the 1980s filmmaking, mm-hmm. um, and I I, I think. I feel confident in saying we can separate those a little bit and talk about them differently, but at the same time, I'm not going to ignore the fact that that was a shock to my system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. was the the like overt use of rape as a motivator for our hero, which yeah. is needless. He has motivation. Yep. Yes, you yep. didn't need that. Not only is it a terrible trope that is very common and especially in, lots of in movies, that time but and you said amongst this film studio was a Canon. common trope yeah. uh that like rape as a motivation for the hero to do something but like you said the motivation of this movie that we've kind of touched on is that like there are this 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 world of immortals and they are all fighting so that there can only be one like they're all coming together to fight and kill each other that is the entire motivation of this movie 
you don't need to then add that out of the final two, one of them raped the other one's wife. Yeah. Yep. We already dislike him for the entire movie. He's killed a bunch <laughs> he, of people. I mean, people. he literally murdered him in the beginning of the movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a solid reason. And, like, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to come murder you back. Yeah. And he chops off Sean <laughs> there you go. Connery's head. Right. He, like, murders a character that's very lovable that we know for two minutes in the movie. He, like, is clearly, aside from the personality traits, he is the worst. He's the one we're supposed to hate. <laughs> we're supposed to dislike him. We already want Connor to kill him. Yes. Like, the moment he yes. sees him, we were like, get him! Like... Yeah. And I want to I want to say special yeah. note, I think Clancy Brown's a wonderful actor, and I think he did a good job at being a slimy, terrible awful thing yeah. uh, in this film and he did it again in the Shawshank Redemption mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, in Spongebob Squarepants yes <laughs> his most important role yeah, absolutely the one I can never ignore whenever I see Clancy Brown in something <laughs> I'm just like mm, money 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 <laughs> um, but uh, Matt what, were, what yeah. was your impression watching this movie because um, uh, your first couple tweets were hey I'm on board well because the first two things I get Wrestling. are queen which <laughs> Right. How did they? I mean, yeah, you convinced them to do this, I guess. No, Queen saw the movie, a rough cut, loved it, and wrote the songs for oh it. Oh my well, God. It's not just, just if you haven't seen the movie, it's not just a Queen song. It's, it's a few. It's like Queen songs. Queen yeah. songs. <laughs> and yeah. Like about I, the movie. Queen songs. Yeah. Like yes. About no, they the didn't movie. like borrow We Will Rock You. <laughs> right, right. Like Queen made songs <laughs> for this. Uh, yeah. And a great songs, amazing, by the way. Amazing, amazing <laughs> like, songs. The opening yeah, yes. number, I was like, all right. This yeah. is going to be the perfect like 80s cheesy right, movie right, that right. I need. Right. And then it goes from that to wrestling in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> and for those of you that don't know, I'm a big fan of wrestling. And so I was even more into this. And then they start panning like this amazing giant like crane shot inside of yeah. Madison Square yeah. Garden. But it ends on Connor looking real sad and morose during a wrestling match. Don't really know why he was there. Nope. No. Uh, they don't ever establish that he's there with anyone. And then he just leaves and fights a guy in a parking garage. So you still don't ever... Well, my understanding was he felt the pull that he was supposed to be there to, f- oh. and that's why he went to the garage. Oh. Was well, he could have he- saved a lot of money if he just went to the garage and not to the wrestling event. Um, but uh, but, had, but had, that kind of stuff <laughs> is pervasive throughout the movie. That sort of thing of like, oh, it's the pull, like the magic of it is There's, never. Yes. It, like it, it's just you're just expected to understand and extrapolate yes. like this. While we were live tweeting a, uh, a friend who is a, a big fan of these movies uh, as we were like running around <laughs> going, what the fuck is going on? Uh, <laughs> she was like, it's like you guys are not even paying attention to these plot points that are not actually being explained. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's. that's Exactly my, that's my experience yeah. of this movie. It's and like that, I'm expected to understand mm. things that are not clearly explained at all. Like for the first half hour, I was very confused, and I know I was not alone in this confusion of the timelines. And I was, mm-hmm. I, I understood that the movie was trying to tell me, like, hey, that guy exists in both of these. I got that because I could recognize his face in both of these. <laughs> and I was like, cool. So he exists in both of these. When are they going to tell us, one, if this is time travel, two, if he's a thousand years old? Like, what is this story? Mm-hmm. And it took them so long mm-hmm. to get to the merging of the worlds and explaining to us that to me, and I know Nick has a defense of this a little bit, but to I me. I don't know if I have a defense. I have a different opinion. Yes. <laughs> to me, it felt very sloppy and not purposeful in the way that I don't know it it, to me it just came across as like oh you had too much story to tell before you brought these worlds together 
and it was too long. And for me, there I spent so much time trying to figure it out that I became distracted by that and frustrated by the movie not giving me answers and not in a clever way mm-hmm. of like leaving it open. Mm-hmm. Like I just got frustrated because there was also no like there wasn't like moments in his modern 1986 life that reminded him of something and it flashed back to the 1400s or whatever. It was just from one scene to the next would cut back to the scene happening in a castle and then one in Manhattan and then back to a castle. No, that's like, not true. He would have memories. Was it? Though? Yeah. When he was sharpening his sword, he started hearing the ting, 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 ting of him. Okay. And the explanation of who Rachel is. Again, only in a director's cut, but yes. Yeah. Okay. And that's much later in the movie. Yes, yes, too. Yes, that's but, after you've already figured it out. Right. But for me, it was Agreed. just yeah. um, a weird confusion that like after the Queen song, after the wrestling, after that first fight, I was still kind of in <laughs> and like. It just felt like, okay, you had me with like this 80s cheese. Mm-hmm. Like you could have kept mm-hmm. me there. Mm-hmm. And instead you tossed me back to the 15th century and confused the shit out of me for 30 minutes. Mm. And so that was my overall feeling about like the majority of the movie was just like, it felt sloppy to me uh, from a filmmaking standpoint. As far as the like questionable material within Yes, it is absolutely bad with the homophobia and the rape and all that stuff. I don't think it's as rare in this time period of this type of movie as we'd like to think it is. I think if we go back and revisit a lot of these types of movies from the 80s, it's going to be in all of them, uh, especially the homophobia. Mm -hmm. I feel like happens in like even John Hughes movies like have very like. Uh, like problematic things when you look back on them. I was watching Lethal Weapon not that long ago. Yeah. And there's some really blatant homophobia just right mm-hmm. in the And I remember it just punched me in the face. I was like, yeah. oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. For a way, way too long period of time, like gay characters were the punchline yes. in right. many yeah. scenes right. in movies. And not just poorly made movies, like good movies that have existed, like right. lasted through time, like still have these horrible things in them. And so for me, yes, it is shocking and it is terrible to watch those things. But I also am reminded of like five or six similar movies that I'm like, oh, okay, yes. There's pro- I could go – if you're in, in, in your old blockbuster and you see Highlander on the shelf, the five movies next to it are all probably going to have a very similar plot mm-hmm. with very similar handling of women and – I mean, I think to a degree that's true. Uh, Canon especially. So the production company here, which I don't think that they necessarily, they weren't the, um, they weren't the actual production company. They were the distribution company. So they bought it. Gotcha. um, And sold it beyond that. The the production company was Panzer Davis and Panzer Davis went on to do the, the rest of everything Highlander. Canon especially had uh, it was known for a few, th- especially their handling of women, mm-hmm. as it being a, a really despicable, really. But it was sort of they felt it was yeah, it's exploitation film, so we're we're using you know things like Death Wish, mm-hmm. um, where it's like that's the whole character's motivation, and it's weird looking at it through twenty eighteen eyes, and, and it's the weirdest thing to me. So here's my feeling about mm-hmm. this movie um i love the mystery of this movie i i love that all the questions aren't answered there's something about that that really excites me especially when i was a kid like i loved that had when i first saw it i had to piece together that this was the same guy and they were different times i like that sort of open storing te- storytelling to me it works for me i can understand being frustrated with it and eventually just throwing your hands up and going oh just whatever but 
I was sort of embarrassed and shocked at how much of that I had sort of much of the handling of women specifically I had just pushed out of my head like that was the thing that really upset me by the time we were done I was like how do I not remember like I remember the plot so I know that these things happened but it wasn't until about halfway through that I was like oh good god that's this whole movie like that is what this is and it it became increasingly upsetting and then i would be like oh god and they're gonna talk about it again oh no gee many mm. and so it was very frustrating on on that front and i can't i can see your point that like you know yeah the 80s especially in what we would call exploitation and uh i mean even grindhouse cinema from the 70s um you have that, but it's still not something I would forgive. Well, you know, I also, what is the point? Yes. Yes. I, like, um, yes, yeah. I hear you. There's a lot of this throughout the 80s. What's the point? Yeah. Well, that, that's, the, that's what I'm saying, though, is like that it doesn't excuse it at all. But for me, it was not as shocking because I it is sh like shocking in the way of like terrible things. Mm -hmm. But as far as like being surprised by it being in this movie, I was not surprised by it because other 80s action films and stuff I've seen have similar tropes throughout. And so the fact that that kind of stuff showed up in an 80s action movie wasn't surprising. I was surprised that I had tuned it out. Yeah. So that was the thing that surprised me right. about it. That was the thing that was upsetting to me was just like, even from the moment who my favorite character, Brenda, when when because as you tweeted yeah so brenda's asking all the right questions yeah especially yeah, she's like, smart to, to start with yeah, yeah. She, like, yes well yes but like her first scene she like asked him like five quick mm -hmm. questions in a row i'm like yes we need to know the answers yeah. to all of those yeah. Yeah. please tell us yep. yes yeah uh, but we'll get back to where that that goes wrong but the, the like as soon as she walks on camera something slimy happens to her that i think the filmmakers were trying to say was funny Right. And mm -hmm. cute right. that the, mm -hmm. right. that the the wonderful actor, but that uh, the bald policeman yep. um, is you look pretty, Brenda. It's like, oh, God, this mm -hmm. is whoa. Mm -hmm. It's just. It, it's like if it happened here and there, but it's like the entire plot seemed built on these characters. And then you had um, which <laughs> I loved the tweet storm that happened around the bar scene. Mm. The bar, like, because it was I had never put it together as a you know as a younger like how the lunacy of the of the chain of events that mm -hmm. happens yeah. there mm -hmm. and how like he tries to pick her up and she says no then she follows him. I, not only does he try to pick her up and she says no, he tries to pick her up by way of insinuating that he's fucking he's following, been following her. her. Yeah. yeah, he's been following right. her. Yeah, like. Uh, mm. Mm, I can tell uh, no, you. No, yeah, that, uh, I, yeah, no, no good. No, <laughs> no women were involved in the writing of this scene. Yeah. Is all I'm saying. Okay? Yeah, in the, uh, in the like, let's see, like, let's write this woman character. So she goes to the bar and she orders just a glass of scotch or like bourbon or something. I don't remember what she gets, but she's a, a giant glass of it. Drinks two sips and then goes to talk to this man and completely forgets she was there to have a drink and then just leaves and. And then he leaves. And then he leaves. But like in that scene, I think we're supposed to like be relating to him more than her. Like we're supposed to hope he picks her up. 
they're the couple we're supposed to be rooting for, right? It is very unclear. The movie wants us, right? Like they want us to be happy when they have sex. They want us to cheer for them. They want us to like hope this couple gets together. The movie genuinely believed that that moment when they have sex is like, like wow, it's finally yeah. happened right, for right, them. Right. I think the I've filmmakers. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> <laughs> like... uh, Matt and Tobin back me up on this, but I, I feel like the filmmakers had seen the Terminator, where that love scene in the Terminator uh-huh. is earned uh-huh, and uh-huh, is uh-huh. and is a big important moment, both plot wise and like emotionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they forgot that they had to actually do have, all the rest of the work. Do all the rest of the work. So <laughs> yes. it's like, well, we'll, we'll film it in blue like was, Cameron did. There was no right. build to it. Yeah, but no, I feel like yeah. even the staging of it was very similar oh, to that yeah, sex exactly. scene right. in right. in uh, Terminator, right. which is an incredible sex scene, an incredible moment in that movie. And mm-hmm. it's weird in a sci-fi action film. There is this breakaway moment mm-hmm. um, where these two very you know disparate people have come together and one from another time i mean this is there's yeah there's, there's an echo here there's a mm. there's a big echo yeah. but but that's about character it is yeah. yes like, and that's the thing not... is like there's no character to eat to there's, there's, some, there's character some character early on in brenda she yeah. starts but... she has she walks on and yeah she she the the movie i i completely agree nick sides with the bald cop as he makes like it's we are meant to be in on the joke that, oh, here's this woman who thinks she knows all the answers and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, she re- but as you say, Matt, she really does. Like she comes in asking yeah. the right questions. She has some kind of position of authority. She is, she knows what the, so- which is weird, but she knows exactly what the sword is like. Yeah. like all she wrote this an stuff. entire book on swords. Which is, <laughs> she wrote, not only that, she wrote a coffee table book on swords that has a big glossy photo of her on the, like it's. Yeah. Um, and now she works for the police uh, yeah, department. Yeah. But but okay. that's a weird career <laughs> trajectory. And, but. and starting at the at the scene where she is in the bar, she starts like the movie forces her to get stupider and stupider yes. and stupider and stupider yes. as the uh, as, yeah. as if it's trying to bring her down to his level so that they can have a relationship. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right? I, yes. But then that's, yeah. it th- this is the thing that the the tweet storm that I'm referring to it wasn't even that big of a tweet storm, but it was one tweet I think you sent, which was very appropriate. <laughs> this idea of like, he's trying to pick her up to walk her home. He even says, I'd like to walk you home, Branda. <laughs> and then she follows him. Mm-hmm. Then the Kurgan shows up. They have this mm-hmm. this sword fight. Quote, unquote. Quote, mm-hmm. Yes, quote, unquote, <laughs> sword fight. Mm-hmm. And then... The police show up in the helicopter, which I actually like that moment where <laughs> the cops are like, hey, hold it right there. And then they both run. They're like, hey, come back here. It's like, <laughs> like, hey, what, you kids. what are you going to do? <laughs> You're on a helicopter. Yeah. But yeah, We didn't think this through. <laughs> but then he chastises her yeah, 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 for yeah. following yes. him. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. What? Yeah. Uh, that whole sequence from like the bar and then the the, the fight that, that followed. It was like it took. Yeah. Brenda started out asking some good questions, mm-hmm. being real great. But like everything that happens in that like section, I, I, I actually could not even pay attention to what the film wanted me to think or feel because I could not get <laughs> away from that initial moment in the bar of like, I'm. 
a woman at a bar and some dude has just indicated that he has followed me to this bar and is being a fucking smarmy creep right now yeah. has then asked me like like I, I like couldn't get out of that sequence mm-hmm. of events mm-hmm. then he asks me to walk him like I, I say yes to letting <laughs> him walk me home mm-hmm. question mark well, I don't know why I did that but whatever he's just so charming <laughs> he's just so charming <laughs> question mark and then he like get like that fight that happens like wh- why would I be rooting for him why, like I why am i throwing she throws him a weapon and like no yeah why at this point is she on why is she not just running running away essentially like you're hanging out with someone and all of a sudden they get into a gang fight and you're like oh i don't want to be here anymore yeah this is your life bye Uh, yeah instead she's just like i should help yeah this is the thing like why did why has she decided sword i should help (laughs) why has she decided he's the good guy in this yes exactly like again we can because her prior knowledge is like seeing his mugshot at the police he station. possibly cut somebody's head right. off uh-huh. according, right. as far as right. she knows yeah. listen no one ever in the in the process of writing this movie put themselves in her point of view for any of them. No. correct it is correct. it is the movie is entirely made it, it, she she is a she's a figment to this movie like yes. Yes. she's born out of out of plot necessity and some some various skeezy ideas uh, but but she no one ever ever thought hmm and, and so my question is i wonder how this actress felt having to try and find some kind of emotional logic through all these scenes like maybe it yeah. helps that maybe they didn't shoot that in order and that helps a little bit she could just mm-hmm. sort of act each scene as it was written mm-hmm. but i i but I, I felt so bad for her especially given as i say how she was at least at the very very beginning introduced that, that well that, she feels like kind of like a Lois Lane character at the beginning where it's like this is not a workplace where women are tough and talk back to people but she does occasionally right, right, uh-huh. right. and uh-huh. like she's also smarter than us so we'll let her have that one <laughs> right. kind of thing and then like, it goes on to like then decrease yeah, that yeah. intelligence throughout the film right. and then also yeah like she makes all of the worst decisions possible and so any of that goodwill that's built up at the beginning is completely lost. So the movie tracks Connor through all this stuff and she just ducks in as needed for the for the for his Absolutely. development. Yes. It is the most sort of clear example of that of her as a device as yeah. instead of being a character. Yeah. yeah. Which because is, there is no scene where you can follow like right. here's what Brenda wants. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Here's what Brenda's trying to get out yeah. of this. No, what she, she falls want? in love with him because she's supposed to. Yeah. Well yeah, and like it, <sighs> I don't like normally I wouldn't be picking on this, but it is something that bothered me really badly this time, even though it's not like a big social issue. It's just a she says at one point she wants to see this samurai sword that the folding in the metal, which is how you make a samurai sword. You heat it up, you fold it, you fold it, you fold it. and blah. 200 blah, blah, blah. times. 200 times. Now. The fuck that means. I don't know. I don't know why that's. You didn't Im- write a coffee table about I, sword. Yeah, yeah but she does seem to know. She, she has yeah. a, 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 some kind of knowledge here. So, But she wants to see it. And then she gives the example. It would be like finding a 747 <laughs> a thousand years before the Wright brothers ever flew. Right. Now that is I'm, not what it nope. is. Those two things nope. are not. Because, well, because she's talking about this sword that is known to be from this one era, but has make like it is made in a very advanced way that we would make swords now. But it dates back to like the BC or something like that. And so that is her equation there of like this sword it dates back to then, but they didn't even have this technology then. So yeah, her saying 
it's like finding a 747 a thousand years before the Wright brothers. No, it's like finding a 747 maybe at the same time as the Wright brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But maybe not before the idea of planes existed. Uh, uh, There's so many things wrong with that analogy that it has bothered me. Even when I was a kid, I was kind of like, well, I don't think that's right. But what, <laughs> but whatever. And I was like, you know, yeah, swords, you know. But, but now but, because the movie was already whittling away. It was. Will, yeah. I was now starting to. By the time you got to that to... line, that you were like, no, <laughs> yeah. listen, I was... I'm coming for you, stupid line about 747. <laughs> I, I did. I was. As... Similes are hard, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but lots this of is things the are thing. like lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> but like. Roxanne Hart is a really good actress. Like she is really good and she is good at what she is asked to do here. Like there's never a point where I'm seeing her act. Like she is selling it. She's doing her damnedest and it made me angry. Mm-hmm. But at the end of it because I was like, god, you worked so hard for what? Why there's nothing here for that character mm-hmm. except to serve as a plot device and that became so apparent by the third act for god's sakes mm-hmm. that it I really wanted the movie to end. <laughs> I was like, this is, yeah, this is, this is pretty, pretty painful mm-hmm. um, at that point. And mine was mostly focused on her, even though the thing with uh, his wife, Heather was fucking stupid and we didn't need it. We didn't need to then revisit that same idea again. Mm-hmm. We'd already like, I, I mean, I, I get it, you know, in terms of like if, in broad terms of storytelling, you know, you you have yeah, something from the past that echoes in the present. Yeah, but like I'm here with this, and I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. Why are we doing this? We don't need to. We've exhibited earlier in the film that she is different, but now the film is saying no. Exactly, right. and that's right. that was it. It's I don't know. It, it really was upsetting to me. Yeah, and by the end of it, I was mad at myself for selecting this movie because I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Why did I, I mean, like at least you didn't pick it for your good movie podcast. No, that's true. <laughs> no. Dodged a bullet there. Yeah. Poor but it's been like a top 10 films of all time podcast. <laughs> be a little iffy yeah, on your we, choice we'd there. Be have, we'd, have, we'd be having a conversation. Yeah. No. I feel like you made the correct choice for this podcast. Yes. Um, yeah, right I, I, I did. I, you know, we won, as you said in Justice League. Um, yeah, you made it that and you totally paid off. Um, okay, so I, I, let's move into the actual filmmaking uh-huh. Uh-huh. because I find mm-hmm. it interesting. Uh, so the filmmaker, Russell Mulcahy, came from Australia. He was a, a music video director. And uh, we were talking about how like Crossroads didn't feel like a music video mm-hmm. and uh, whatever the, the zombie movie, Dead 7? Dead 7. Uh, Dead 7 didn't feel like a music video necessarily because mm-hmm. it was just bad. But mm-hmm. um, this feels like a music video because it's like so overtly visual. And so with just like, why was that camera move there? Because we could and it mm-hmm. looked cool. Right, right. right. Um, it did like obviously it helps that we watch them back to back but like suicide squad and this like there's so many moments of like that would be cool yeah like, it's like yeah does it make any sense nah but it'd be cool right it'd be cool, that's all we need yeah i feel like yeah uh but he made um you know some horror movies in australia directed a few videos for nxs i believe um and he's directed in my opinion the only good resident evil movie hmm. so 
There's that. There's that. Um, Are you sure, Nick? When was the last time you saw it? <laughs> Careful now. Okay. <laughs> Let me rephrase. He directed the only Resident Evil movie that I kind of enjoyed. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. not good. Which uh-huh. one of... It's the one where they're in the desert. I think it's called Annihilation. I don't remember. I, I asked like I knew anything about those movies. <laughs> yeah, you did, yeah. I've yeah. only seen the first one. And a guy gets... I, I have an encyclopedic knowledge of the Resident Evil movies. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say exactly like, what you're talking the about. second one. I think it's the third one. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the third one. I have not enjoyed any of those movies, but I keep watching them expecting to maybe one. Maybe and, this time it'll be I different. Did, I, did, yeah. I enjoyed the visual uh-huh. storytelling uh-huh. in that one. They really need to just like have some sort of weird blow-off movie of Underworld meets Resident Evil to wrap up both of those like franchises that have had like eight movies apiece yeah, and, the- and just like combine <laughs> them into one franchise. Cause I forget that they each have like seven sequels mm-hmm. and I don't know what any of them are about. Mm-hmm. Well, the Resident Evil ones are almost all about the same thing. Like they're, all right. you know, but, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I gets laser cubed in the first movie. Yeah. That's all mm-hmm. I have seen of that movie. Well, this, we could, do- we, you know, we should probably do at yeah. least one of those. Yeah. All of them. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but 2019 will be the year. Yeah. <laughs> the year Resident of Resident Evil. Evil on real bad. Oh, oh boy. Um, We're sorry. Don't unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be, we have this spreadsheet where everybody puts their names down. There's never going to be any names next yeah, to that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, We're just going to add it and then we'll write Nick. Nick, yeah. Nick, yeah. Nick. Yeah. I'll just record all the parts myself. Um, Not just a solo podcast. You talking to three other yes. yes. of yourself. Debating yourself on I would love it. I, it would be great. But filmically, there's a lot I like about this film. Uh, I, I do think that it is directed like a music video. I, I think that there's a lot of sort of weird camera moves that don't need to be there. And a lot of kind of like overtly formalistic lighting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that maybe does or doesn't need to be there. But I don't know. I like the mood that it sets. I like the gritty New York that we're in, um, which is very of that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, I liked how everything looked and felt in terms of like Scotland and then flashing back to Madison Square Garden, which wasn't Madison Square Garden. I think it was in, I want to say it was in England actually where they shot that. Um, and like, like there was a lot there that I that I really like. This is something that when you compare it to other canon films, other canon films are ugly, drab. The production value is really low. This is a sixteen million dollar film, which uh, I guess looks like a sixteen million dollar <laughs> film from nineteen eighty six. I mean, yeah, especially you got castles and shit. Taking, yeah, to do that, period stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you had to yeah. Do, like destroy yeah. a castle in a fight, so that takes a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. You had the big, big Highland fight. A big, you know, not big. Yeah. You had a, a medium-sized, uh, you know, <laughs> battle on the Highlands, small you know? clan fight. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you had uh, cool blue lights. Yeah, <laughs> and you had the, you know, the at the time hand-drawn animation for the demons and stuff. Mm-hmm. At oh, the, yeah. the final thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Forgot about that they, part. They also did. I think he there was he had an eye for how to trans like the literal shot-to-shot transitions from past to present yeah. and back and forth, often with a wipe, you know, up mm-hmm. through the ceiling and then suddenly we're in the highlands. And, and even if oh, it's there not- was one that was really good with it, where they used the water. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it was like the fish tank transitioning to like a lake in the Scottish Highlands. Yeah. And like that was one moment where I was like, all right. Yeah. So it's good <laughs> job, guys. So, so, if, so if he clearly had no understanding of of, of character and nuance and story, like, yeah. but he, but he did. It seems to me you could see an eye of someone who's like, how do I visually knit all this stuff together? And from a 
like transition to, to transition point of view, I think a lot of that a lot of that worked. I thought. Yeah, it had it had yeah. style. It had some kind of like there's there a point of view to the visual style. I agree. It. And I think that it's one of the reasons, Matt, you asked me, like, why this movie? Like, mm. why did this movie? And I feel like that's one of the reasons that this movie was able to spawn so many things. It's like it's visually recognizable. Like, it has get, a feel to it. Well, it's also, I think, of a time when, like, home movie wasn't as like obviously VHS was still a thing. It was right get, before. Right. Yeah. But like not everyone could watch this movie repeatedly. They saw it once in the theaters and they're just blown away mm-hmm. in the theater. And so then it becomes kind of this built up thing of like you see stills from it that look kind of cool. You have mm-hmm. the mythology behind it, which is interesting. Also some really good poster work. <laughs> and so that's the thing is like you get all of those elements right. It kind of in the the ether like – that's what people remember. Yeah. That's what people think about when they think about this movie is they think about the cool images and they think about some of the few lines that stick with them. And that's what they're like, okay, so what else could we do in this universe if we ignore almost all of the plot points of that movie? Because <laughs> I don't like – I having not seen any of the sequels or reading any of the comics or video games or anything like that, like how do they reconcile – the fact that this movie is not sequelable. You guys want to know? Yeah. Mm. Like in a broad. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe you could just tell me later. <laughs> Nicole does not want to. <laughs> um, <laughs> Go on. Look, Make it brief. <laughs> I love how batshit they got for Highlander 2. It's a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. But I. This is the quickening? This is the quickening. That they did several re-edits of. One of them is called the Renegade version. But anyway, because <laughs> they tried to make it decent. The that quickening nothing, takes place. Well, the quickening <laughs> words, the Renegade cut means no, nothing. No, yeah, it means absolutely no sense. Um, so flash forward to, I think, like 40 years into the future after Highlander has ended. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Connor McLeod. Because now he's super smart and knows everything and can mm. and can hear everybody's thoughts. Yeah, has saved the world. <laughs> oh no! Has saved the world no, by helping this. scientists create a shield that goes around <laughs> the Earth because the ozone is failing. Oh, I was like, are there aliens coming? What do we got to oh, shield the no, Earth? Hold Matt, on, Matt, Matt, wait! Oh, oh no! 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 no. <laughs> hold that thought. Hold, hold on! Oh, no! I did Great it. idea. Hold on to that one. This is how these movies happen. Yes, yes. Yeah. So he's a, he's an old man because he's he's old. We never. I don't think in Highlander two we say what happened to Brenda. Of course not. Well, but, why would they? Because she doesn't matter. <laughs> she does. Yeah, the movie true. doesn't care about her. Her plot is over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she served her purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Cast you out. Never to be seen again. Yeah. <laughs> So he's an old man. He's an old man, mm-hmm. and he starts having these flashbacks. Why is he an old man if he didn't age for 400 years? Well, no, because when they say at the end of Highlander, he says, now I can oh, live yeah. and grow he's old an and have children. And That's his prize. Yeah. That's the prize. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought it would be cool if like the prize was different for every different person. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but So then he starts having these weird flashbacks, and you find out that the immortals came from another planet mm. called Zeist. Mm. Where, where Michael Ironside is the big bad general Katana, and they were a part of a rebellion. The, the Ramirez and McLeod were part of a rebellion trying to overthrow the government on this very Arrakis-looking planet, 
And their punishment was to be transported to Earth. I'm not shitting you. And they wipe their memory? Wipe their memory. And there they would duel as immortals until only one was left. Oh, my God. And then they could come home at some point. So they're still... There's still uh, Highlander immortal people out there on another no. planet? Oh, on a different planet, yes. yes. Right. But then, because he can't wait for Connor to die, he sends Michael Ironside, General Katana, sends two of his lackeys to go kill Connor McCloud. Because okay. he's old. He's about to die. But no, he can't. So he sends two of his lackeys, Corda and Reno. To go kill an old man. To go yeah. kill an old man. <laughs> okay. But okay. then by it's them. your favorite franchise, isn't it? By <laughs> them showing up, it re-triggers the immortality and thing. And he's young again. And then he, he cuts off one of their heads. And then the quickening happens in the lightning. And he becomes young again. I hate this movie. And, I've never seen it. And then yeah. when he cuts off another <laughs> one's I've head. I've never seen is already yeah. one of my least favorite wait, movies. Wait for it, though. Wait no, for it, though. No, it gets better. Then I can't wait till we do this episode. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> then he screams into the air, Ramirez, and the energy from the quickening goes up, but it bounces off the shield he's created. Mm-hmm. No, and then no. the lands. Yes. Yes. The yes. energy lands in Edinburgh, Scotland, mm-hmm. where a play of Macbeth is going on, yes. and Ramirez Ooh. is shows up. Ramirez is again. Sean remind me, Connery. Sean Connery. Sean Connery returns because he said his name loudly, and there's yes. the air shield, like it's fucking spaceballs. It's a kind of magic. God. Okay, I, okay. Look, this that movie is gonna get its own podcast episode, <laughs> it will. and we're on the like we're on the verge of creating it right now with only two of us having seen the movie. I would like movie. to do the rest of um, them that but, way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, Matt and I aren't gonna. Idea. We're going to sit here, you guys are going to explain the plot to us, uh, and then we're going to have feelings. Do what we just did. We're going to yell a lot. But that's how they did it. I told you, I kind of appreciate how batshit they went. I, I mean, it is one of those things of like, again... All plan A of like, <laughs> all right, so remember the last movie we did this? How do we undo that? How about this? Cool. So that opens up this plot hole. How do we fix that? Shield around the earth? Perfect. How do we do this? <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. not good answers, but good I, answers. I can respect that in theory. Like, Nick and I have talked about uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which like started out as, you know, a not great TV show and like this this currently airing season I'm having a ton of fun with in part because they're just leaning into absurdity like yeah. they're just like we're just gonna do whatever the fuck we want like uh, <laughs> it's basically like we you know we just have like this random combination of like spies and superheroes and like I don't know send them to the future and uh, like create time paradoxes I think <laughs> there's something fun. to that yeah like- yes and there's something to be said for like we're just gonna like, because we are not beholden to the rules of the actual world. Like, let's just do weird shit. Yes. And yes. so I can respect, I, I can respect something about that conceptually. Well, because it's a weird, a weird form of world building. Yeah. Of yeah. Like, okay, so in this world, that's how these things happen. Yes. And as long as you, as long as the rest of the movie supports that, mm-hmm. like the fact that the the order you described it in of like he saves the world by building the shield and then that actually pays off later and comes up and gets used again. That even amazes me that they had that much forethought to then use it again because it, it it shows some thought. It shows that they put thought into it, into building that world, whether or not 
it actually works out that way. <laughs> Whether or not that world feels real when you're watching the movie, uh-huh. can't speak to that. <laughs> yes. This is the interesting thing. After Highlander 2, I think every Highlander movie then discounts everything that came before. Hmm. So they wiped the slate clean for Highlander 3. Like they it's a brand new movie? Yeah. Well, no, it's it's a brand new sequel. So they, they basically say, oh, Highlander 2 didn't happen because nobody liked it. So we're just going <laughs> to tell wow. this story instead. Nobody liked Highlander 3. So instead, we're going to take the hero from the television series and make a movie where he and Connor McLeod are in the same universe. And, oh, that was kind of shitty, too. So now we're just going to ignore all that and we're going to do um, Highlander the source to try to explain it. Oh, nobody liked that either. Well, now we're out of ideas. <laughs> and so th- that's the legacy of Highlander. Okay. That just is constantly trying to rewrite a sequel. Yes. Constantly trying to rewrite a sequel and somehow getting theatrical releases for it. <laughs> wow. Like, wow. It, it, yeah. it, it is yeah. mind-blowing yes. where this franchise ended up considering it's not a great movie. It's got all kinds of problems. It's not a very well-told story. Mm-hmm. It has imagination on its side, in my opinion. Sure. It, that first movie, Gregory Wyden's idea is potent. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to it. I think they've never encountered a team of creative people to be able to do something with that idea. Right. That's, I think, the downfall. Right. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with that sort of central. Uh, I, I came away from this feeling that the only good thing about it was the music. But I will allow <laughs> as a second good thing that there is like an imaginative core to mm-hmm. it that is actually like quite sound and good and, and had had potential. It had potential. It had uh, it, there was something compelling about it yeah. like that. I would be like, yeah. And I feel like like I watched all of the series and it's really 90s. Um, but it also creates like this <laughs> for you. You might like Duncan McLeod. He's a nice guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, he's a super nice guy. Change of pace. A- Adrian Paul plays him very affably and it, it is really nice. He's also a, a very good martial artist as well as a model. So he's like a good looking guy who does all of his own stunts and is really good at sword fighting and like and it's very good. And he it, like there are. They're not super sophisticated love stories, but they're love stories that think about the woman as a human being, which this movie does not in any way. (laughs) Our first glimpse of a relationship in here is of the well, first of all, she's uh, uh, the Kate, his Mm -hmm. I guess girlfriend in Scotland is, I mean, she's treated so poorly that she's treated as this sort of screeching harpy at first Mm -hmm. and then told to not scream because she's not hear a sound of a wailing woman, Mm -hmm. you know, and then she's the one that tries to get him burned at the stake. Like, good Lord. Like, and that was it. When I was watching this movie that my brain started to go. Oh, there's a lot that I've suppressed. <laughs> yeah. I have repressed about this movie. Oh no! Oh dear. no! Oh, dear. <laughs> so what also the, the only long-term, really relationship that we see that he keeps up is with the little girl he saves from <sighs> a Nazi in World War II that then becomes his personal secretary mm-hmm. when she's an old woman. Mm-hmm. And we're led to believe romantic partner. Are we? Well, he, yeah. there's a kiss at the end that. Indicates that there might be a yeah right, which then is even creepier. Yep. What yeah. is in the original cut that the scene in Nazi Germany was not there, 
which then just made it sort of like this is a, you know an old woman who knows all his secrets. Well, no, it, 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 to me, it's like it's another relationship he's had. We don't know where it started, but like right. it's it's another relationship. I think they tried to do that with with his wife Heather, and the idea that like he is loyal and he is you know he that was the montage of look how great this dude is. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. they built a shitty character. Yeah, and right, right, right. he's not great. Movie, right. no. I've been watching <laughs> him. Yeah. Okay, we've seen yeah. what he's seen doing, him, yeah. and he fucking sucks. Yeah. Yeah. He's super creepy. He has no personality. What are we supposed <laughs> yeah. to like about him? Yeah, nope. Sorry. His acting is Not on the level of it. Tommy Wiseau. How, how the North these remembers. Guys, these guys get to be immortal. Why not some good people? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, these are the jerks. Is this why the patriarchy <laughs> is still, because the, all all these misogynistic assholes are the are immortal? Is That's that who the, gets to live oh, forever. Is that right. to live forever? Mm. Well, the rest oh. of us are like, ah, oh, fuck it. I don't want to. I say us. I'm probably shit too. I have no idea. And that's the Nick Jenkins memoir. Yep. I'm probably shit too. A memoir. You know what's crazy to me about uh, that? In between this movie and the sequel that Sean Connery returns for, so it's it's in during this. I can't believe Sean Connery agreed to do this more oh, than once. Oh, he's done some shit. Yeah, oh, but in man. between here, so it's at this time he's reading the script for The Untouchables for that oh, David no. Mamet, yeah. for which he's going to win an Oscar. Yeah. The, in, within two years, then he does hunt for red october like all the stuff is happening he's on a run right and then he does the quick <laughs> like this is like his uh, in the middle of this there there's this other is what happens too, when you sign a contract indiana jones right oh, he's in indiana no. the, yeah. the third indiana jones all the stuff in between these two movies and then he's back to do the second highlighter <laughs> <Wow. laughs> just I mean, oscar winner yeah uh, i mean sean to be connery. fair the last movie sean connery has done is a voiceover for an animated movie that looks uh, terrible is the nice word, I guess, for it. And so it's like, he's made some choices throughout of his career. Course. Some really smart choices to be in some really good movies. And other ones, it's just like, what happened, Sean? Yeah. Well, what, he was, what are he, you doing? Making yeah. money is what, he's, what, yeah. he's, what yeah. he said, right? Like that's, you know, he's, at that point, he's how old? That's 2012. He's an, he's an old old dude at that point. Yeah, he's, so, he's, he's very old. But, yeah. you know, anyway, but that, but it's, it's fascinating to me that that's his run. That that's, yeah. like, there's a run there that nestled and, and, and in stumble. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like if you put it on a graph. Right. Like, well, that's an, and then that's, that's like a huge get for Highlander 2 right? of like getting Sean Connery at that time yeah. is a huge get because people want to see a Sean Connery movie right. uh-huh. at that time. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. Okay. Well, let's. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> what do I do next? We rate it now? <laughs> fix it. Fix it. Oh, yeah. oh fuck. <laughs> we fix rate, then real good. Thank you. This is uh, my show. <laughs> I cannot. I edit it every week, and I can't keep straight. What what order I do these three things? You think I take notes? You do jump ahead sometimes. You're like, all right, so I know. real good. We're like, wait, we have two other things to do. Goodbye, everybody. No, it's dinner time. I, I gotta go. Yeah. I gotta feed my dog. Yeah. Um, I I want to start with how I would fix it. Uh, I think it would be a very simple screenplay fix to fix some of the major problems that I have with this film. I think um, you could have a very interesting dynamic between a smart, capable uh, person to be played opposite him. Uh, in, in, in doesn't have to be a romantic 
relationship. It could be, I guess. I'm I'm starting to lose more and more faith in romantic relationships portrayed in media. Um, <laughs> I just I, I feel like it's a it's a failing of us as humans to be able to do that well in such a simplified way. Um, but I, but th- hold on. No, I just yeah no. That, I think in my head I stopped. No, I didn't say anything because I was like, that's a 40 minute conversation. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> um, this is, I'm the, on your side, but like, <laughs> um, I, but I, I worry about that in songwriting. I worry about it in, in novels. I worry about it in films and television shows too. That's like simplifying. This is, is I think a little bit damaging in some respects, but I could be very wrong about that. I would love to talk to you guys about it some other time anyway. Um, but I think having a different relationship with people like I was very happy when Castigier, uh, the guy who played Captain Panaka in Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, showed up, and they seemed happy to see each other. Mm-hmm. Like that I, is the character that I tweeted out. Yep. Oh look, a nice new character. He's definitely not going to die really <laughs> yeah. soon. Yeah. Yeah. And then like three, four minutes later, Done. it's his He's death dead. scene. Yeah. And then they <laughs> flash back to a scene with him not in it, which is weird, but yeah. whatever. It, 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 like I, I want to see these longer relationships and that's something that the TV show did well like it, it he did have these relationships that would come in and come out and they were powerful relationships at least to him within mm-hmm. the mode of the series so I think a rewrite like even for 2018 I think a, a, a rewrite to get rid of God the goddamn homophobia to get rid of um, just how horribly women are treated. I think there's a potent idea there. And I think even with this cast, even though nobody really liked um, Christopher Lambert in here, um, I, I, I <laughs> yeah, no. like I said earlier, he's got Tommy Wiseau chops. Um, like, why was no one you know, fighting me? The, the year before he'd won a French Oscar, the equivalent of a French, uh, of an maybe Oscar. He's yeah. Maybe he's better in French. Yeah, when he's speaking well, French, Luc maybe movie, he's right? great, Have you ever seen but... Subway? There's Luc Bess- he, it was yeah. Best Actor Award. Well, he was also got a lot of attention for playing Tarzan. And then, and then Tarzan was the right, his first yeah. quote unquote English. His quote unquote English. I'm assuming he does not speak much <laughs> no. in Tarzan. And, and, and when he and does, I've it's never, okay that And I've never stunted. seen the movie he won that award for. It may be one of these things where the movie is built around this person who is, you know, sometimes the per- performance is good not because it's a good actor. Yes. Which yeah. I think yeah. is But also, if it's case. in French, maybe he's better in yeah. French. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Right. Anyway. So, um, I mean, that's how I fix it. I just do a rewrite um, to fix a lot of the, the the more despicable side of things. Nicole, what do you think? I think it's hard for me to see how you would fix this because I it is just like a big sprawling mess. And it's hard for me to even get into the sprawling mess because I am so put off yeah. by like the toxicity of its worldview that I like have a very hard time getting to that place. I think that... Let me be clear. You're not wrong. <laughs> it's yeah. a yeah, yeah, toxic yeah, yeah. worldview. Yep, yep, yep. I, I, and I, I, I think, I mean, having not seen any of the breath of the massive, you know, this, all of the properties <laughs> that this spawned, uh, it seems like just this story in particular, they, the, the, the writers of this story just did not know how to tell this story in this space. Yeah, and so. I don't know if if you you take that and you make it a ten episode miniseries. Like I don't know what, but like it just it doesn't fit there. So either you do that, or if you're trying to keep it a movie, you have to collapse some of these threads. There are too many. There are too many threads, and none of them get enough like weight to to like matter or mean anything. Like no, none of these other characters who exist around Connor. Mm-hmm. 
matter. Like, right. <laughs> like they're not, I don't know, they're mm-hmm. just sort of there. And so I, I don't know. And I'm not really sure, again, because I, like it to me is like an incomprehensible mess that, that I, to the point that I don't even know which ones you pick to start. Like, I don't know where you start, <laughs> where, 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 start, where, where right. to start, like yeah. what you get rid of. But I, I just... I think maybe if you trim it down a little bit and try to tell a slightly smaller story, you can give the other characters more agency and purpose. I mean, an interesting thing, like I, I'm, I, I don't mean to recommend the series because I think it is very '90s. It was like the time Renegade was mm-hmm. out and everything, so it's like it's it's kind of cheesy. Mm-hmm. But there are these elements to it that are like, um, who's the lead singer of the Hue? Uh, the Hue? The Who? His name is Hugh in the show. Uh, the lead singer, of The Who. Are you okay? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Dr. Seuss book, y'all. Yeah. The Hugh who was the in the Who. So the lead singer of The Who plays a character named Hugh Fitzcairn <laughs> in okay. the okay. Highlander series. Roger Daltrey. Uh, now oh. I see your confusion, though. <laughs> oh. um, okay. He plays a very important character in relation to Duncan MacLeod in the series. And then there comes a moment later on where he is killed and it is it's heart wrenching because he's played such a wonderful role Mm. for so long. Um, But then you still get to flash back to times with this character so he can still be in the show and still help to, you know, teach Duncan lessons, whatever. Uh So I think that might be something that it's like the characters matter. Right. In a way that the only that character, hear, yeah. the only character who mattered in here would be Connor McLeod, followed by a little bit by Ramirez. Yeah. Oh, mm, yeah. You know, and, and that's, you know, that's it. Yeah. And it's a very sort of singular myopic. Uh, way to I find look that that's also, I think, been our fix a few times for a few different movies is like, give it more time. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the movies we've watched, I think we come down the side of like, oh, as a miniseries or a TV show, this could be better. Mm -hmm. Like if you had more than two hours to tell this story, it is an interesting concept and I think you could do something with it. And so I think that makes a lot of sense. The question though sometimes then becomes, would you give it that time? And this was over on my podcast, we were talking about (laughs) Kristen Ritter's book and how like one of the fixes was that like there were just some threads that she just kind of hastily handled. And Mari was saying that she was like, I I hear you, but also if this book were another hundred pages longer, I don't think I would have finished it. I I think I would have just stopped uh, at a certain point there. And I think I, I... so while I, I propose the idea of the like ten episode <laughs> miniseries idea, I think you probably also have to give it to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You could not have made a ten episode miniseries in 1986 with the yeah. same. No. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. no. No. It would not have been better. Yeah. No. Yeah. But I, it would have been think, longer. It would have been think, ten times I think as bad. You, I think you could. That some somebody now maybe yeah. could take this movie and say, okay, I will rewrite it as a ten episode miniseries and produce something that is actually very good. What if it's Nick? <laughs> yeah. What if we give it to Nick? I yeah, have wanted. Sure. To, I okay. have wanted to pitch a a new Highlander series yeah. to Panzer Davis for a very long time. I kind of got that feeling. I, I really, <laughs> I really have. And, but I don't know how to do that. Sure. So well, um, sure. don't I... let them listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not blaming Panzer Davis, yeah, okay. and I think the work that they did on Highlander, yeah, yeah. the series, was actually fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the problem was always with the writers. Yeah. So uh, Matt, is that? Uh, no, I want to make a different movie to okay. fix this one. <laughs> uh, I also posted about this during our live tweet-a-thon, snark-a-thon, uh, that the movie I want to see 
is Brenda's Indiana Jones movie where she's finding cool swords. Oh, yeah. Mm. I had that thought, too, but I was like, no, this is Matt's idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wrote it down, Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta wait. I gotta uh, let Matt say it. Yeah, that was, while watching this, some of the more interesting parts are so, like, just said offhand about her mm-hmm. interest in swords, and she wrote this book, and she knows so much about this, and she wants to, like, hunt it down and figure out, like, no, but we have to find this sword. And but, I'm like... Give me that. Yeah, give me that. Yeah. Let's dive yeah. into that moment and let her, like, just follow her for the rest of this movie, hunting down a, one particular sword and seeing the, the perils she goes through. And then I realized that was Indiana Jones. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, just put her in an Indiana Jones type movie where she's hunting down, like, ancient swords. And I will watch that. Yeah. I actually like that because I like her first moment where she finds the sword. Like mm-hmm. where she pulls it out, she has a really, it's a very simple line, but she does an incredibly good read on it, it yeah. where she just says, oh, baby, look at you. Like yeah. that is, like, I know I believe. so much about her character at that moment. <laughs> that really weird character they gave her, I believe her in many, like, in the yeah. beginning aspects mm-hmm. of like this woman who just like loves ancient swords and wants to know everything about them and wants like. She learns that there's this new mysterious sword out there. She wants to find it and know everything about it. And, like, I believe her in those moments. Mm -hmm. I believe she could have written that book. Um, So, yeah, I'm way more interested in her as a character. I don't give a shit about Connor. Um, So I will watch that movie. (laughs) Fair. Tobin. If Highlander 6 is her movie, I'm in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have two fixes. One is uh, along those lines, which is, um, so I'm at... Panzer Davis, they bring me this script. They say, we want to make this movie. I say, okay, we're going to hire new writers and we're going to make make it about a woman Highlander. Mm-hmm. And let's see that movie. And then have them build this movie. Well, mm-hmm. the thing is, like, if I, I hope at some point in this giant yeah. Highlander verse, they've done that. Because if every single version of another Highlander is like, it's a cousin named Connor. Right. It's a cousin named Clyde. It's a cousin right. named Hubert. It's right. a cousin Clyde named McLeod. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we don't talk about Clyde. Yeah. Yeah. His parents really hated him. Yeah. And I recognize that that is a through 2018 eyes kind of way to do it. If, I mean, it's in 1986 and we're going to have to figure out what to do with it. I would still say burn to the ground everything you've got. And then this is maybe a little controversial, but I would give this concept to Paul Verhoeven. Oh, interesting. Who can deal with some who who finds a way to take nastiness and toxicity and and uh, refract it a little bit and it ends up being at its best there's a there's a um sat like he satires sat, satirizes yeah. things and i think that that and visceral all that stuff back in um uh in scotland could have felt like in in a in a, another director's hands, grimy in a, in a good way, not in like a oh I don't like this movie. This movie doesn't know who people are. I I and I I just would, I would be curious to see his vision of this concept. Yeah, and Verhoeven uh, for you know when he's not working on a Joe Esterhausen script. Right, right. Uh, hey, for those of us who don't know these names, can we describe? Yeah. Who okay, these so Paul are Verhoeven, uh, his two probably his two biggest three the two biggest films are Total Recall and RoboCop. Cool. Um, know those words. Uh, <laughs> RoboCop is, I think, and I've watched it recently, is a milestone of a film. Like, that is one of the greatest action adventure satires. Maybe. It's about so many. It's about so it's much. It's about so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. It's also, uh, he handles the the uh, the main woman in mm-hmm. there so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nancy Allen, who's not necessarily a great actress, right, right. but he gets a lot out of her, mm-hmm. and she is... It's really great because it is about um, 
It's about a relationship that's not a sexual or mm-hmm. um, romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. It's about partners. Mm-hmm. And it is it's incredibly well handled. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's thought of as a schlocky director. Mm-hmm. And he's not. But then, of course, Total Recall, which is, I think, a little more schlocky. Mm-hmm. But also, it is about things. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Um, and it's so, yeah. So there's Paul Verhoeven. Joe Esterhaus. Uh, Esterhausen? Esterhaus? Esterhaus, I think. Esterhaus. Yeah. Uh, wrote a, a lot of very exploitive, big budget movies in the late 80s, early 90s, like Basic Instinct. and Which Verhoeven directed. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is an extraordinarily entertaining movie. Yeah, yeah. it's really well made. <laughs> yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, anyway, I but I, yeah, there's I think that's something, something there. there. Yeah. Um, and that would be right about his heyday, mm-hmm. right? Right, um, right. And he sort of fell off in the '90s and you well, know, showgirls. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Which That'll is a, a stab at satire that misses just yeah. by a country mile. <laughs> yeah. And that's just, the thing with yeah. like a lot of those but, types of movies. Like you're trying to say something, but do you get your yeah. message across? Yeah. And he's worked in Europe since then and has made some some really fascinating movies. Yeah. So anyway, that's why I would give it to. I give it to Paul Verhoeven no, in, in 1986. I think that's an interesting idea. Yeah. yeah. So I would like I, to see. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's go ahead and rate this sucker, Tobin. So I rate on the, the Torgo scale. Uh, <laughs> has the one to five Torgos um, or zero to five Torgos uh, based on how many things are worth recommending this movie for. And I give this movie one and a half Torgos. One Torgo for the concept because I do think that inside the, the center of it is a concept. And then the half a Torgo for the way the, the, the some of the visual style, the fact that it has a style, I do appreciate. I would give it a full Torgo for that, but I have to pull half of it back because the rest of it is so, is just egregious, the fact that they were, yeah. that they, of what they did, particularly the Brenda character, um, and without, without, without giving her thought. So I give it one and a half Torgos. Fair. Nicole? Yeah, my scale is the <laughs> sunglass-wearing smiley face emoji. I have to be fully clear on this. Because Tobin and I both thought it was just sunglasses. Just sunglasses. Just sunglasses. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Okay. So okay. I'm not that on, new. Yeah, not understood. I was here. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Good. Perfect. Well, Tobin and I are close to the same age. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, I speak <laughs> emoji. So, so yeah. 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 Anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's an us ins- young 30-year-olds. <laughs> young, yes. Well, not yet. Not yeah, sorry. yet. Sorry. Excuse me. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, it's an enjoyment scale out of five. Um, Yeah, this this just made me so angry. Uh, Zero out of five. I was not happy at all. You were not entertained. I was not entertained. (laughs) I like it. I was I was entertained in like even in a you know like jokey whatever like i found some measure of joy i guess or or, or if not misery through the end of the parking garage scene and like basically at, like from that point forward i just grew increasingly angry so yeah zero out of five sunglass emojis from me matt uh yeah, so my my scale is the possessed mushroom puppet scale, which is uh, much like the sunglass uh, scale, uh, an enjoyment rating out of five. And I don't think I've I actually I don't think I've ever given a zero. I think I've stuck to ones, and so ones are like the worst things we've watched. Like for me, Manos and Things. Mm-hmm. So I can't put it that low because those things are truly awful in so <laughs> many ways. At least this, you could look at that and go, "Well, that's pretty." Yeah, like that. I didn't feel. Like, I, yeah, like, during Manos, I was, like, cringing on my couch of, like, please, someone turn it off. Don't make me watch this. (laughs) And I felt similar through things of just, like, I felt exhausted at the end of things. Oh, my God, yeah. And, like, so this, at least, 
did not feel those things. Uh, so I'm going to put this at a two out of five because it is better than those movies. <laughs> wow. Fair. Um, <laughs> That's the best I can say of a Highlander. <laughs> it's not things. <laughs> I feel like, you know, that's something. Yeah. It's, if I ever make a movie and you say, hey, it's not things, be like, thank you. <laughs> great. Um, that's like saying, the lighting was great. <laughs> you turned lights on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I rate all of my movies on here like storms, uh, basically on a category scale. Category one, eh, light rain, not too bad. Maybe even a little fun. Category five can really mess with you and 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 make things bad, 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 bad. Uh, this is tough because there's stuff in here that I do genuinely like a lot. And then there are other elements that are category five, like that are they don't belong in a movie of this. Uh, uh, they don't belong with these other ideas. Like it's mm. it's mm. so it's difficult for me. I'm going to have to go with a category three then and just average it out. Um, it's got some great ideas. It's got some really beautiful visuals that I really like, especially at that time period for, you know, fairly low budget film. But I can't forgive the the I, I cannot forgive the overall writing like the screenplay yeah. itself takes those ideas and just drops the ball so badly and, and, and sub, like intentionally fouls the ball. Like right, it's right. really, really, as you said, egregious. So um, with that being said, we're going to move on to real good. So um I real good is just basically a way to say, hey, if this movie hurts, you try this other movie. <laughs> um, although Nicole may not trust me anymore. And I, <laughs> I, you know, I don't I don't I don't blame you um, because I don't trust myself. I was not prepared. Oh, no. I really was oh, not prepared man. for how how that movie attacked yeah. me. Uh, it, it was I was really shocked. But for my real good, I, we already talked about this film here a little bit, and that's going to be The Terminator. Um, I think if you watch the original Cameron's Cameron's original Terminator, even Terminator 2, but Terminator, I think, is one of the most surprisingly good first feature films ever made. Um, it's a very tight script. The all of the characters are treated with um, a lot of respect. Um, and it is, I think, a, a very taut thriller, um, which yeah, I know that Tobin uh, <laughs> loves. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I would say Terminator is my pick. And I think, I think after watching it this time and then having this conversation, there is a lot more cribbed from mm -hmm. Terminator, which was happening a lot mm -hmm. in the late eighties. Right, right, right. Um, and point. so I think you can, yeah, especially the love scene and you can see just how like fractured they are, mm -hmm. how different mm -hmm. these two like shot very similarly. Right. Take the aesthetic, but leave everything else behind. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Even the music, like it's the synth <laughs> thing. So uh, anyway, so yeah, check out Cameron's original Terminator. Matt, what's your real good? Uh, my real good is another film that deals with modern day 80s life and then also <laughs> medieval life. And it is The Princess Bride. Yeah. Uh, which came out a year after this film, I believe. And um, looks so yeah, different yeah. Oh, and yeah. so much better. Well, yeah. I think because the, like, the majority of the movie is spent in the fairy tale land and not spent in gritty 80s Manhattan. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's also Rob Reiner. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so, yeah, that would be my real good because it's, it's a good movie to watch anytime, anywhere. Mm -hmm. Makes that, you feel good. Yeah, it makes you feel real good. And it's... Uh, it's I just... Watching like the Scottish Highlands scenes in this, 
uh, put me in the mindset of watching Princess Bride, and then I was like, oh man, I'd rather be watching Princess Bride. <laughs> so go watch Princess Bride. That's fair. Nicole, what's your real good? <laughs> uh, oh shit, you were supposed to go last, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so this, you know, kind of destroyed me emotionally for a little bit, and... <laughs> I, like I don't, I don't again. Like because this was like such a weird, sprawling mess that I'm not even sure where to begin. I'm like, okay, well, if this is the thread, then. But so this movie deals with an or- immortal character, and I think if you're trying to get the taste, if you're me <laughs> and you're trying to get the taste of this movie out of your mouth, what you really need is like a female character who can go like kick ass. And so I think you should just go watch. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The movie? No, the TV oh, show. Okay. No, I don't do fucking movies. I do TV that's shows. A, that's okay? a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I watch way more TV than I do movies. Like that's most of my cultural reference points are movie or TV shows. So I, yeah, I think you should just go watch some episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You'll have some immortal characters. You'll watch Buffy be cool and badass. And yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Or if you want to see um, weird ideas. Uh, spun in like bizarre ways that are often actually successful. Um, watch later seasons of Agents of Shield. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and Tobin, what is your real good for this week? So my real good usually relates to the movie. This, but I don't really want to relate to this movie right now. Um, and, <laughs> and I saw something recently that was so good and beautifully made and perfectly crafted and made me feel so, so, so happy. I'm going to recommend the masterpiece in theaters right now called Paddington 2. Mm. If you have not seen, I have not seen Paddington 1. I don't, I don't have a necessarily a deep association. Paddington Paddington. 1 was my real good a few weeks ago. Oh, was it? (laughs) Yeah. It's so good. I'm not, I'm not cut up. Um, (laughs) Paddington 2 is a masterpiece. It is a ma- you can set your watch by it. It is it is it treats all its characters with dignity and with and with humor and with love and but it is not schmaltzy or sappy. It is an amazing movie. So everyone should need yeah. to go see Paddington Two. No matter what the bad taste in your mouth is, Paddington Two will remove it. And this has nothing to do with the fact that you played Paddington when you were a okay, child. So you've listened. Yes, right. Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I did in fourth grade play Paddington while wearing, as I remember, a giant Care Bear costume <laughs> in a fourth grade school play of Paddington. So, yes, I do have a fondness for Paddington. Yeah, you this are the true. star of the film. <laughs> we had, you, if my first name had started with a P, my initials would be P. Addington, and that would be Paddington. But I, no, no. I, it's not, that's oh my not goodness. the... Wow. Yeah. yeah. Missed opportunity. And I'm sure that's not why I was cast. That's what I've told myself since fourth grade. Uh, no, but so that then, who do we play? Play Paddington. How about Addington? All right. <laughs> but but mark my words. Go someday. Check out Paddington Two, and you will leave the theater um, with with a warm feeling. Yeah, I'm waiting to watch Paddington Two at home because that's how I watched Paddington One a few weeks ago. It's just yeah. like it's on Netflix and. It is so ridiculously enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it just, I mean, I haven't seen the second one yet, but yeah. like the way you're describing it sounds exactly like the first one in that it is a weirdly perfect movie yep. in yep. every way. Yep. So to, and to, so it sounds like one or two. Go check out yeah. the One's on Netflix, two's in theaters. Here's a franchise that I will watch all five movies of and all the TV shows and I'll play the game and I'll, do, I'll, go, the, yeah. I'll go the whole distance with this. I mean, yeah, Paddington 2 was just like, for a while at least, was the best reviewed movie ever right, right, on right. Rotten Tomatoes. Right. So. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, well, that is going to wrap up this 
episode episode experience. experience. <laughs> uh, I wasn't expecting to feel as bad about Highlander. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, me neither. But actually. I do. I, I I I do feel. I feel this is this is a movie that kind of made me feel really gross, and it was a movie that I selected. Um, basically not thinking about it as though it's bad. Mm-hmm. Like we think about, no, you need to see it and talk about the first one to be able to, to get actually to get ones. to the bad right. ones, yeah. which are, yeah. which are, I find more fun because uh-huh. they're right. The stories get so batshit yeah, yeah. and, and it's so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, from our talks beforehand, it sounded like this was going to be your super Mario brothers. It's where, not. Like, you saw it. Right. It's not. It's not clear, yeah. but like something you saw as a kid and no matter how bad other people think it is, you can defend it. And you're like, no, but like my nostalgia powers through. I still enjoy watching this movie to this day. And you did not come out. No. On that side of things. <laughs> Thankfully. No. Yeah. 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 That would have been a problem. I'm really yeah. glad none of us showed yeah. up today to be like, eh, I don't know if you're right about that, guys. That's, yeah. that's, why, that's why there is no lasting damage to our friendship. <laughs> Thankfully, that yeah. Was, that, was, that was the deal, basically. It's our friendship or... I or do wish... Like one or the other. There can only be one. There can only be one. <laughs> I do wish there had been a camera on my face as I was watching it. <laughs> just like... It was just frozen oh. in this. This anyway, uh, that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, we will be back next week with a musical. <laughs> Very excited about this. You can please find us at Real Bad Pod on Twitter. It's two E's at Real Bad Pod. And yeah, Matt, where can people find you? At Matthew Gatos. Everywhere. Just pretty much everywhere. Sweet. Nicole. You can find me at Sweeney Says pretty much everywhere. You can also find me uh, on SnarkSquad.com where you can read all the tweets. Uh, the live tweets from this <laughs> this experience. We'll have a blog post going up the same day as this episode. Uh, and wherever you are listening to this podcast, you can also look up Snark Squad Pod and hear me and my best friend talk about all sorts of movies and TV shows and stuff. And this week, Nick Jenkins will be our guest. hey Talking about a good movie. Yes, which I was also <laughs> worried about. I was worried about that one because I was like, I, I, I'm afraid nostalgia has blinded me to... Um, You're pushing everything now. Yeah. 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 But uh, I think it turned out much better yeah. than yeah. this. Uh, yeah, and it was also we're still friends. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, uh, me, Nicole, and Mari had a really great conversation. Yeah, I really you check in, that I, out on Wednesday. Yeah. So. Also, uh, I would like to recommend your episode about uh, Star Wars. <laughs> yes, because yes. your Force Awakens episode. Of two people who had never seen a Star Wars, <laughs> watching Force Awakens is amazing. It's we incredible. Forget, we repeatedly forget the names of my yeah. character. Yeah. Of like Han Solo, like the the most famous of Star Wars characters, are just like, who is this guy? No, it's it was it was, no, it was it was no, it was really fun. good. Yeah, I enjoyed it, and it proved exactly what I had thought, which is like you can just start with Episode Seven. Yeah, right? you, yeah. Right. you absolutely yeah. do not yeah. need anything else, and I think that is a strange power mm-hmm. that that franchise has built unto itself. Yeah. And that is really cool. Yeah. yeah. And says so. a lot about J.J. Abrams storytelling. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indeed. Tobin, where can people find you? You got something new. I do have something new. You can find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington and I have a new podcast with my sister called The Contenders, uh, which is about m- movies directed by and starring uh, women who refuse to play by the rules. Uh, and we've just launched. It's going to be every every two weeks. It's really fun. Uh, we just recorded a, an episode with Nicole about She's the Man which is going to be really, really, really fun to, to, uh, to for you guys to hear. And Nick's going to be on an episode. We got to get Matt on an episode. Yeah. 
uh, it's it's a lot of fun. So come check us out, uh, The Contenders, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I loved the first episode. Your sister's really good at coming up with games. Yeah, she is. Yeah. So yeah. the None Your Business is a really good game. <laughs> that was a fun game. Yeah. Um, okay. Game master. <laughs> that is going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we will see you next week. Until then, this has been Real Bad.